This is CliffCentral.com. Worksman's Attorneys is a proudly South African corporate and commercial law firm with over 100 years of experience. With over 200 lawyers practicing in over 22 diverse areas of law, they're able to contend with current, topical matters and use their expertise to your advantage. In this series of podcasts, we will explore how the law affects you. This podcast is the second in a series of podcasts on Worksman's, the amazing stuff that they are doing practical stuff, uh, cases that are ongoing, information that I think people in South Africa are fascinated by, and letting you in on uh, some of the things that go on behind the scenes, not only in terms of what the law means for you and what the law means for South Africa in general, but also in terms of the kind of work, the very specific kind of work that I think a lot of people are interested in. And this morning, I'm joined by two very, very smart people who are both directors in the Department of Litigation and Dispute Resolution, so they have a fight in them when they need to. Uh, they are Bulelwa Mabasa and Anela Kumalo. It's a pleasure to meet you both, ladies. Thank you so much for coming to spend time with us today. Thank you. Pleasure. Sure. So we've got, um, we're going to start with something totally uncontroversial. Yeah. Land. <laughs> I know, I just said land. <laughs> yeah. and now everybody, expropriation and uh, land expropriation without compensation. These are two, uh, or, or it's part of one discussion that has been dominating the national discourse for at least the last six months. Mm-hmm. And for a long time before then, and no doubt in 10 years' time, it'll still be a, a, rel- a, a relevant uh, place for us to talk about what's going on in South Africa. It's a very emotive issue. And uh, while I, I think we will try to get to the information of this, we acknowledge right up front that this is something that makes people feel a certain way, way before their brains kick in and the law kicks in and all of that practical stuff starts to become a consideration. Um, you're obviously both well-versed in this because you wouldn't want to tackle something of this magnitude if you weren't. But where are we in South Africa at the moment? What, what's really going on? We hear lots of noise. Uh, we see things being proposed in Parliament. What's the current status of of the land situation? In my view, I think we can summarize the land question as follows. Our constitution was promulgated in 1996. And in that constitution, there was a vision that... When, when the constitution was promulgated, it was a vision that this constitution would somehow lead to the, um, a resolution to this land question. That came by in a form of section 25 of the constitution. This is a constitutional clause that we've had since 1996. Um, that interestingly is within the Bill of Rights. So the Bill of Rights is a chapter two in the constitution that tells us all our rights. Interestingly, with Section 25, it starts off in the negative. So it starts off with no one may be deprived of property in an arbitrary manner. Compared to, for example, you have a right to life, you have a right to education, you have a right to access to education. So the reason I point that out is because this came out, Section 25 came out as a result of a great compromise. And you see it in the language that starts talking about land and property. So Section 25 doesn't only deal with land, it also deals with property, it also deals with land reform. So what we do, what do we know about Section 25? We know that as a landowner, you don't have a right to own property. 
What you do have though is a right for your property not to be deprived. So you have a right not to be deprived of it. Okay. So this was protected in the prostitu- in the constitution in the beginning. So so th- I mean technically they sound like the same thing. They do sound like the same thing, but if you're going to be um embroiled in legalese, mm-hmm. you realize that you cannot go to court and say I don't have property, so I need property. Mm-hmm. But you can go to court and say I have a property and now somebody else wants to take it away from me unlawfully. So that's the Okay. That's the distinction, right? Are they um, deliberately trying to make this complicated for us because it is so different to the rest of the Bill of Rights, as you point out? No. So this came about f- through the Kempton Park talks that Codessa, happened. Codessa, yeah. Codessa. So you had the National Party, obviously, that wanted to protect some of um, the wealth and interests going into the new dispensation. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, you had a new ANC coming into power uh, knowing that there is a huge issue of inequality in a form of land that needed to be sorted out. So if I, if you allow me to just move through, so we're starting sure. off with don't deprive anyone of property. Sure. So obviously that is a provision that seeks to protect the current landowners. So if you have land already or property already, there's a provision that protects you against arbitrary deprivation of it. Gotcha. Let's park that for a moment. Okay. Then we move on to later on in, in, in Clause 25 where the state is actually given a directive, a very specific directive to say the state must take all reasonable measures to ensure that we achieve land reform, uh, including water, and that we that the security of tenure for people like farm workers or people with insecure tenure rights mm-hmm. Um, and also that there is redistribution that happens. So I'm re- I'm really just rephrasing it so that. To but make those it- are those are positive and active. Yes. Ins- inscriptions. So they 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 almost force us to deal with this. It's not something that could be put on the back burner. Correct. Yeah. Right. But now Anela, it has been put on the back burner. We'll get back to yeah. Bulelo's list because I can has. see she's got a whole. It has. That's why when you ask where are we, um, we haven't, we, we haven't done as much as we could have. We do have the necessary, um, tools in the form of the necessary provisions to give effect to this right to property or to access to property like Bulelo has spoken to. This concept of expropriation, most people think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a concept that actually came about from the 54th, um, conference, the ANC conference. And then that's actually not true. The, the legal concept of, pres- of expropriation has actually been in our existence, in our legal system for a number of years. It just has not been effectively used by the government to give credence and to breathe life into the three pillars of, 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 our, of our land, of land reform. So, so land essentially you're telling me you think that the tools already exist in the, in the constitution as it is. Correct. We don't require amendments. Not only in the constitution, but in the supporting legislation. A great example is the Expropriation Act. Find the current Expropriation Act that we are sitting with obviously hasn't been amended to align with the constitutional principles and still has a, um, pre-constitutional ideas that need to be molded and brought today to the current dispensation. Mm-hmm. But, um, there is, there, there, there are, there is legislation that does allow government to expropriate, um, property for a public purpose. So for we, example, if they needed to build a highway, through my property, then they, the they train. right. The Khao train was a great example of mm. that. And and if, for example, they discover a major water resource in Cape Town and they need to suddenly supplement their their 
dire supplies, then that would be in the public interest. And they're empowered through laws that already exist to be able to do that stuff. Correct. And what you need is that you need a political will to implement those already existing legislative tools to give effect to that. And that's where we see the ANC now or the ruling party now sitting up and wanting to address these issues that actually have been um, not neglected, but they've slowly been falling to the bottom of uh, of the to-do list for, Mm. for, for, for our country. And a great example of that is um, the Department of Rural Development and Land Affairs, the people who are tasked with the, 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 the duty of restoring property to people who were de- um, deprived of property as a result of racially discriminatory laws. They are now receiving the least amount of budget allocations for the administration of the department. So if you don't give enough people money, how do you expect them to give um, to, prop- to act within their mandate in terms of the act and actually restore um, the land to people? Well, we can talk about politicians in a minute or two. That's not really why I brought you two here. I, I think a lot of people, and we'll get back to Section 25 with you in a moment, Bulelwa, because that's we're not finished there yet. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people have opinions about land expropriation, about land ownership, about land redistribution. Mm. Uh, some of it, as I said at the beginning, very emotive, but very little in respect of the majority of people who voice these opinions is informed. And once we do figure out that there are already in place these things that you hinted at, Anele, we, we, it doesn't seem so complicated. It doesn't seem so onerous and doesn't seem so dangerous to so many people. Mm. Um, and many people will jump to many fewer conclusions, I would hope, after they've been appraised of the facts. So Section 25 is instructive, yeah. the so-called property clause. Tell me more about exactly. that. Exactly. So if we had to have a score out of 10 – on whether or not Section 25 has been implemented in the way that it was meant to, it would be a significant fail. Hmm. And I say that because we already, yes, we do have legislation that says let's protect farm workers and labor tenants. Um, but we also know that within that directive that says protect labor tenants, give them some uh, rights to land. We know that there's only now 20-something odd years later where the department set up and actually appointed a special master not at its, at its own instance, but at the instance of somebody in the uh, Midlands who was living on property and has had his generations living there, um, applying for a right to land in terms of legislation, but that was just ignored. So that's one example of you already have the constitution that tells you that you need to build legislative measures to do this, and it just wasn't done by the department. The second thing is that we in, within the constitution we're told there's got to be um, efforts and steps taken in order to make sure that redistribution happens. What is redistribution? Redistribution is about giving land to those who need it. Yes. So it's very different from restitution. Restitution is giving land to people who are dispossessed, forcibly removed, forcibly through apartheid laws right. and the like. Do you know that we have actually not le- legislated a single statute that drives how redistribution redistribution Happens. So we're sitting here 23 years later. We don't have an act. We don't have a redistribution act. It just simply wasn't done. I hear Anneli saying, uh, being very euphemistic about it was a slight neglect. I would actually go as far as to say it, it, it's, it's a travesty on the, on the legacy of, of, of a, um, a government post 1994. So what, 
and it's sort of a knee-jerk reaction it's that it's, it should suddenly become it's the, the issue of the moment because, yeah. you know, wily politicians like Julius Malema have made it the national yes. issue. Yeah. Yes. And so just to touch on Section 25 again, um, but I'm sure you're going to ask about this later because you're going to say, well, how does, you know, how must expropriation without compensation happen? Yeah. So that very same section tells us what considerations you've got to think about in determining what compensation is payable, if any. So it will say things like, for example, you have to look at the current use of the property or the land. So if the land is lying fallow, that already gives you a tick to say it's, 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 it's ripe for expropriation. Mm-hmm. If the land, um, was, um, for example, a donation uh, historically by the union government, in other words, where there was no realization or money paid for that land, you're not going to compensate that person for a purchase that didn't occur, right? right? The third thing you look at is whether there were any previous state investments that went into that purchase. And if there were, you, you, you know, you make a, a financial calculation to make provision um, or you, 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 you either subtract or add, Depending on whether Depending it increased on, the value, decreased the value. Absolutely. Of the right. And then lastly, you also look at market value. So what we know that has happened in the last 24 years was that it was a very lazy exercise of what the section said. Because when you were restored land via restitution, they would just ask for, you know, market value. So there wasn't actually a practical, logical implementation of what the law actually says. But if you think about what, what I've said, that, that the, the, the factors to be taken into account in determining compensation, you can already see that there will be examples where compensation is not necessary, right? Mm-hmm. Once you've gone through that <clears throat> test. Yeah, and, and, and as you say, for example, if the state had just donated this land to a family because they were in the employ of the state in the old regime, then uh, clearly you know, that that family don't exactly have a claim on on anything in terms of compensation, but let's just look at property for a second because this is this is something that gets people very fired up. You've just indicated there's a difference between restitution and redistribution. Are there other categories? Yes. So our land reform policy is based on three pillars. Anila spoke about restitution. So that is if your land was taken away from mm-hmm. you after 1913. Um, and you were not compensated. So think Group Areas Act, sure. think um, uh, Sophia Town. Mm-hmm. Or, um, that's forced uh, removals. Yes, in, in, yeah. that's restitution. Right. And then, so that's the first so that's restitution. Then you have redistribution. And to prove that, by the way, is fairly simple for a lot of people because they could say my ancestors are buried here. Right. You or, would think. Or that, you know, we have a map or we have this yes, or we have, yes. this is where our people live. There's a house, there's a dwelling that's been there for like a hundred years. Sure. Yeah. So those things, sometimes it must get complicated, but usually it, you'd think it's a fairly simple process. And you would imagine also that the government would have had hundreds of thousands of claims because there are many people who don't have title deeds to land in South Africa who would have gone to government in the years after 1996 and said, listen. Here's my land. This is what my ancestors had. This is where they're buried. This is where my house is. I've lived here for 50 years. Can I have a title deed? Yeah. How much of that happened? It happens. Unfortunately, the, the, the statistics are woeful. You have what we call the Commission for Restitution of Land Rights. That commission sits within the Department of Rural Development. And as Anila was saying, they've been huge, hugely undercapacitated. That's an oxymoron. Mm. But they've been undercapacitated. Sure. They, that department has only enjoyed less than 1% of their national budget. And, and for, me- for, for normal people, I suppose, who they, they just, they, 
find the whole thing so onerous and so complicated, mm. or maybe they don't even know about it. Mm. Um, so many people wouldn't have taken advantage of existing tools, 100%. which migrant is what Anela referred to. Yeah, migrant labor. So, for example, sure. I, my, my grandfather comes from the Transkei, mm-hmm. but I, my entire lived experience has been in the urban areas. So even if I, I know we do have a claim – but we have a whole generation of us who are in the urban areas and we, we, uh, the previous generation, um, you know, has come and gone. We don't really necessarily have the information. This is an example of where we would rely on the state resources, the researchers that are employed by the commission, the land surveyors to do and the historians to assist with deciding and researching validity of claims. And as you say, if those are under-resourced and undercapacitated, then you are in an enormously disadvantageous position. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it just doesn't seem it, the poor people cannot get a break. Yeah. So, so, so when we when we spoke about the three pillars, that were okay, that's so restitution. That's restitution. Then you mentioned redistribution. Then redistribution is the parts that, I've, by the way, with restitution, most of those claims will be in rural areas. Okay. Naturally, yeah, of course, sure. Uh, Urban centers, it's also uh, those areas are not restorable. You're not going to restore Cincinnati City, you know. Um, So most of them are in rural areas. So it begs the question. There would be some restitution. Can you have have you (laughs) imagined? Square mile in Africa. I mean, let's just let's just think about. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, we we talk about how. Restitution would be very difficult in a rural area, but in, in a place like Santon, there might just be someone who could prove, for example, that once that land was their family land, it would be well nigh impossible to, kind of, mm. to, to even give them a, a, a square meter of the property that they're yeah. claiming. Luckily, the, legisla- the legislation does contemplate that even if you, your land is valid, mm-hmm. there's certain land that is just simply ir- not restorable because of its economic value. Right. And so then, Tough. So it's compensation or alternative land that sure. you would be okay. entitled to. All right. Then the third pillar is um, security reform. That is about elevating the rights and security of farm workers and labor tenants. All right. How does that work? And so, for example, if you're a labor tenant and we have this, this is a legacy of our, of our, of our past, is that you have generations of people living on the same property mm-hmm. without any security of tenure. So in other words, if the farmer feels that they've had enough of you, they, they could out. kick you out. So this legislation has resulted in evictions that, um, or legislation that makes sure that evictions do, are not done you know, arbitrarily. So you have to get a court order. So those, the, that, that we do have that, le- that legislation. Okay. Where we went wrong there is with regards to labor tenants. Now, labor tenants also have had – there's a statute that says if you're a labor tenant, you can go through a process where you can claim a right in land. In other words, the piece of land that you occupy where you're, you've got animals that are grazing and where you have graves, you can then claim that right in land and have security and you know as your own. But the failure that happened with that is that no – um, Applications have been processed by the n- commission. None. Well, there have there've been. A, a there were none. There were thousands. 
there were there there were thousands of applications that were received by the commission. However, they failed dismally in um, actually resolving those claims up until the judgment that Bolelo referred to you, where um, a community in the Midlands actually took mm. the commission to court in order in order for them to actually mobilise and set up this particular office to deal with these particular claims. So that's one of in addition to the restitution program mm. where um, not much attention has been actually been played. Paid, sorry, to the um, the the security of tenure of um, labour tenants. Can can either of you help me understand what the current state of land is in South Africa in terms of who the major landowners are and what what we know has a has a survey been done. Yeah. A, a very granular one that we can actually say yeah. is yeah. about as close as we can get to knowing yeah. precisely what's happening. We're currently sitting with a land audit that was, um, I think, released last year, November. Um, the land audit. Yeah. Yeah. Was, but we, they, they still, they, whilst the land audit pours, um, paints a very broad picture of where we're sitting at that um, about 70 or 80 percent of the population actually owns only 1.2 percent of the current registered land and um, being the, obviously the, 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 the black majority, the um, latter part or the non-black um, is helped by 23 percent of the land is actually in the hands of um uh, 23% of the land is actually in the hand of the non-blacks. It's we still require a lot of information as to exactly are these. So, if 23% of the land is owned by white people or Indian sorry, people, it's the other way around. It's the I was going to oh, say. Sorry, no, sorry, sorry. It's the complete. Okay. So 23% is owned by. Basically, if if you recall, then what the 1913 Land Act did, it said we're going to take the most fertile, arable. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80% of the land and give it to white South Africa and then give the, and give the desertified TBVC unarable, yeah, absolutely unpleasant we're miserable basically places, yeah. still sitting with those land patterns that's interesting and the state how much does the government own the state is an owner of about 20% or so of that mm-hmm. currently there's about 8 million 8.3 million hectares hmm. of land that is unsurveyed that is unallocated, that is sitting in, well, unallocated, but sitting in state-owned land that could be released um, to stimulate. And is it also shitty land like you're talking about? Not necessarily. <laughs> if you think about... If you think about solar, solar energy, wind yes. energy, right. think of places like the Eastern Cape. So actually, KZN, I mean, and any Cape. piece of land can be made valuable these days, right? Absolutely. Okay, but to go back to the point... Uh, about expropriation, this the security of, of of tenure for the for the labor tenants and the restitution for mostly rural. Correct. I'm I'm curious about why the sudden interest now. Is okay. this as the result of politicians turning it into something that they want to use as a clarion call before elections? Are people in this country all hankering for a piece of agricultural land? You know. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> are you and me and, and Anele Bulela, or are we, we three trying desperately to start a cabbage patch or something? <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, well, An- Anele's uh, dad is a farmer, so she's got a better chance at agricultural farming than I think we both do. We should both just go and work for her. Um, maybe she won't kick I'm us off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking in CVs. All right. So the, the back bay has been the third pillar because we said redistribution, mm-hmm. sorry, restitution. 
security, the back bay has been redistribution. If yes. redistribution had been sorted out, it would deal with me, you, and Anele. Mm. Because redistribution is about those that need the land. Okay. You don't have to have a burden of proof. Okay. You don't have to have shown that uh, you're, you, know, you, you have a historical link to a land that you've mm. claimed. It is in that area, and that is rural, urban, everywhere. Sure. It is in that area where we've deeply... Um, I think also failed because as much as the constitution told us that we could come up with legislation that does this, it just doesn't exist. We didn't do it. Can't three quarters of the people who live in urban areas that don't have title deeds just go to government and say on the basis purely of this, the, the need is that I need a primary residence. It would be preferably it's 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 possible, but you you need a legislative framework. Mm. Otherwise, you get into chaos, yeah. right? What um, David Makura has done in 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 Gauteng is that he's now had. Um, I happen to have been invited to the ANC NEC workshop where they were workshopping what our new land policy should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, as one of as an attorney that's been in the area for um, almost twenty years, so. In there, what was discussed was that there's got to be an acceleration of the urban land question because I think there's been a, a focus and maybe, uh, and, and maybe unjustly so on agricultural land. So when people think the land question or let's get back the land, people are imagining uh, big farms and high, and people mm. need land for shelter. People need land for residence. And as you were saying about the title deeds, people need security to know that to, I'm the owner of this property. And you can borrow against it and start your own business, or you can make yourself a, a member of the formal economy if you can if you can show that you own some property. It, it's a basic condition for someone to improve their their quality of life, right? Absolutely. What it won't help us with, though, it won't help us with the spatial planning, the Mm. legacy of the spatial planning that we have, because what it does is, as much as you will give someone a title deed in Tembisa or in Dipslut, the other coin is that it perpetuates the spatial planning that is the legacy of apartheid. So, in other words, someone who's been resident in the same house in the same township for 50 years is still going to end up with a township house. Correct. I mean, equality is probably quite a large long-term goal, mm. but in the, in the interim, we've got to start with something. Yeah. So before we start worrying about theory, I mean, it would make sense. And I'd be interested to know what was resolved at that, that meeting that you were in at the ANC NEC about land, because the planning has to come from the politicians. The yeah. planning has to come from the, the legislation that will be promulgated. Yeah. Um, over the years, I've advocated, for example, for legislation to be, um, to be introduced on redistribution to sort out the urban land question. Um, there's no doubt that land is also of, of high economic value and that it, it's about economics and it's about food production and all of these beautiful things that are very necessary. But that will only serve a fraction of the population how many we don't have agricultural colleges that have stimulated people to want to be farmers we have generations of children of farmers who are becoming professionals who think it's laborious and um you know we have environmental factors to take into account when there's a drought or so we cannot pin all our hopes on agriculture mm. um land is not just important for economics it's also important for a sense of belonging dignity and that's where your question around Title deeds come in, comes in. So what was decided is do legislate on redistribution. Um, do consider giving more support to rural development as a department. Um, and also with restitution, 
do not wait for people to come to make claims. My, what I've always advocated for is why don't we start a project with historians and say, here's a map of South Africa. Here are the previous land ownership patterns of movements of different mm-hmm. tribes or whatever, or what yes, have you. Sure. So you because already we have that have, information. We have that information. Yeah. Let's put it together, fix the deeds registry, um, release, cur- there's low hanging fruit, yes. release state owned land that is available and unoccupied and, and, and unoccupied idle or fellow. Absolutely. Yes. So those are some of the recommendations, which I was to be very honest with you. I walked away with two big emotions. One was, Disappointment, disappointment because this discussion was happening some 20 years, uh, late, but also relief that for the first time, uh, in my career, at least having done this type of work, we're having the right discussions. So mm-hmm. it, it would now talking about will. detail. Yeah. So just to go back to your first point, um, and, and Anela, feel free to butt in any time here, even though you're much more euphemistic about the politicians. <laughs> um, when you talk about the, the kind of legislation that needs to be developed around redistribution, what do you foresee as being an optimal situation there? Because this is the world of theory, but ultimately they're going to have to come to pragmat- pragmatic decisions here. Yeah. How do you imagine that legislation will look? What do you think its result will be? Yeah. So, for example, it will say… If you have a need to land, you must be able to demonstrate it, right? So you must be able to say, um, I'm, I'm a homeless person. Um, I have a family, an ex-family. There must be a, a commission or a department or somebody who is responsible to inspect that I am in a dire situation and that I am in need mm-hmm. and where that's not the only process that's happening in tandem the, the, the government would have had to have also done the very same process that we've spoken about, the low-hanging fruit, to say, mm. out of all the land that we have now released that is on our books, we'll be able to assist, I don't know, 20% of our population. It will also say title deeds are now um, – we there's going to have to be a drive where title deeds are issued to mm. people. Yes. Um, and it's going to, it's, it's, it's going to have to save the most vulnerable of our society are the ones. So in other words, it would not help me, um, you know, saying that I'm, I, I have a need for land when I live a relatively comfortable life. So I think the focus should be proper and it's going to have to be unapologetically proper. And it, it's going to have to come with, obviously with, um, other departments have to come into, into the party um, into to assist. The, yeah. Services. Yeah, correct. Because it's just not, it's not just only providing people with the land. Once people have the land, they need to have access to infrastructure, water. There needs to be, there needs to be infrastructure there. This legislation must also um, address difficult questions about land that's vast tracts of land, excuse me, <clears throat> that is held, being held by tribal authorities as well. Mm-hmm. We'd also need to speak about that and see how do we balance those needs against the needs of the greater population and making sure that property that is held in those trusts and those forums are, are able are, are accessible to the greater population. I was just about to say, and I, I, I wasn't being glib when I said earlier that the, the poor can't get a break. Mm. It seems to me like it's, it's the, the odds are stacked against them. First of all, in terms of those tribal authorities, obviously the history with apartheid and the dispossession of land and the mm. fact that, that black people were sent off into probably the most inhospitable parts of South Africa and forced mm. to work within you know, the confines of some very, very difficult situations. But it also doesn't help that 
that now the political will seems to be there for grandstanding purposes and for the purposes of winning votes, but ultimately the practical application could fail as dismally as the failure that you've already indicated post-1996. The politicians are mostly in it for themselves by the looks of things. There are a lot of politicians who own five, six, seven properties. The, the, the average poor person doesn't even own the property that they've been on for 100 years. I think that's a very, very important thing. And I think when we also talk about uh, the privileged sectors of our society, politicians form part of that. Mm. Um, but it's also those people that own vast amounts of land that 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 is not being used. So, for example, if... Um, you know, you, I'm running a, a wine farm and I don't know, it's, it's, it's on 20,000 hectares, mm. but I really only need, in order for my farm to be productive, I really only use and need 4,000, for example. But do we want the state making those decisions? I mean, this is where I get a bit nervous because if the state comes to me and says, well, you've got a four-bedroom house, but you only really need one. We're going to rent out three of your bedrooms. I don't think that that's Look, a reason for me to build th- a I house. I don't think I don't think that would be reasonable for residential properties. No, no, no. But I'm saying if they but came for to high you- value land um, that that has the potential to unlock opportunities for many other people. I think if we have a a a, a framework that is workable, where there's mm-hmm. access to courts, I think what's important is access to courts because mm-hmm. you don't want the state dictating it. Mm-hmm. Right. You want someone to be able to say, well, I don't agree with you, Mr. State. Right. I'm going to go to court and have this objectively assessed so that the outcome of that is one that is lawful and, and adjudicated one that is, is, and adjudicated where there's been sure. legal scrutiny. Okay, no, that, that I think most people would be very comfortable with. Yeah. It seems much more equitable the moment you... But if, if you give the state it too be much, dictatorial. sure. But if you it give the state be, too much power, yeah. it could be really, really messy. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've seen this happen. We've seen it happen. I mean, already with the mining charter, people have been complaining about you know the issuing of licenses is not it's not as uh, you know vanilla and it's not transparent, and, and transparent, yeah. and all of those things. So we don't we want to steer clear of um, those kinds of, of such. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So just to go back to a few points, because with your knowledge and your expertise here, we're going to solve a, a couple of problems. <laughs> we're going to single-handedly. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just sit in a, the, in a studio. The and three of us will solve all the problems. problems. So first and foremost, Anele, according to you, we don't need to amend the Constitution. No. This is a distraction. I think it is. There's, there, we've we've got the we've got the necessary tools to expropriate and expropriate reasonably. Yeah. Expropriate with the necessary safeguards in place. And what people forget is that whilst um, whilst uh, the ruling party may implement policy, everything must still be subject to the constitution and to our, to our judicial judicial system. Mm-hmm. Whatever that they end up doing will always have to pass through the hands of. Of, of our courts and we just need responsible South Africans to put up their hands and say actually I disagree with that amendment let us take it to the necessary forums so if, if we have we have the necessary safety nets to put it without us having to go and amend the constitution let's implement what we've got we haven't fully utilized the, the existing legislation that we have we haven't implemented like Pulelo said the necessary um, legislation to deal with reform and redistribution if we can actually start by doing that we might even turn around and say hang on section 25 is fine the way it is let's actually put in um let's legislate the necessary pieces that are going to give effect to these two pillars that we've actually been ignoring so there's quite a lot of mischief there that we need to address right up front that first of all uh, this is a a a, a political football for for the eff for argument's sake Mm. and also that 
the people who are saying that this is the end of property rights in South Africa are scaremongering, that the Constitution protects both arguments under its current conditions and, and, and Section 25's provisions. Correct. And if you actually analyze or read the resolutions taken by our ruling party, you'll be able to see that there is, there is thought about um, making sure that any expropriation does not destabilize food security. There's con- there, we, we keep in mind um, the economy. And also they've, they've, imp- they've said that they're going to look at state-owned land proper, um, first. Mm-hmm. So let's first look there before people start yeah. worrying about their farm or their house being expropriated. The state actually owns a lot of property. Imagine how we would alleviate issues of spatial planning, like Bulelo said, if people who are in Alex are able to, if the state, sorry, in, expropriates or takes over these derelict buildings in Johannesburg, sets, um, uh, rebuilds and constructs um, housing that can be made available to people. And people who work in Johannesburg no, don't need to communicate from Deep Clue or from, yeah, so commute, commute, sorry, yeah. from Alex all the way to town. Those are the, the they are, it's, 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 it's not as, it's not as, um, dramatic, if I can use sure. the word, as everyone has played it out to be. And as as we've all heard so many times, the wheels of justice do turn slowly. So mm-hmm. people also have to be patient, even though we're grumpy about the fact that it's taken 22 to 24 years for us to get to this conversation. Mm-hmm. It's still going to take another 20 before, for a lot of people, the practical implications start to kick in. Mm-hmm. And that isn't a happy circumstance for a lot of people and i I mean all of us in this room are totally aware of Mm. the reasons for that and they're all very legitimate Mm. but we need to be patient and make sure we do this properly because it has massive consequences for individuals for families Mm. for businesses for the state Mm. and for property in general Mm. so the other thing we need to address then um i'm going to tick off amending the constitution i'm going to say we've decided that's a bad idea um, is expropriation without compensation the answer to the land debate? That's an economic question. And let me tell you why. Because if you're going to say each time that the state expropriates land, it's got to pay. Who's paying? I'm paying. You're right. paying. We all pay. And in fact, the, the victims, if you like, or the, the, the collateral of those that were dispossessed also now have to finance it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, um, it's it's kind of a um a circular thing where if we're going to insist on compensation, it's not somebody else doing it. <laughs> it's in the end it's, it's you. It's it's you. Yeah. So but I think um the idea of, of compensation is also one that cannot be totally eradicated from our system. I think they're very good as 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 I said in section twenty five, you've got to you've got to look at all those four factors. There are those factors that um will make it um compulsory for com- for compensation to happen. Mm-hmm. And let me give you a, 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 a an, an example. Our law generally says that our laws have to be a laws of general application. In other words, they cannot be a uh, misapplication of law to different sectors of society for arbitrary purposes. So, mm. for example, if um, I happen to own a farm, uh, I'm a you know African woman, and the state says, "Hmm, you know this is this could be great for redistribution purposes." For example, the moment you want to sc- scrap compensation totally, you would then also lead to 
very unintended consequences mm-hmm. where you're punishing the very same person that your whole land reform scheme is based on. And you cannot have a law that says we will only compensate black people, but mm-hmm. not white people. Yeah. If but, you know what I mean. Well, so, first of all, it would, it would be, that would hit right at the, the equality clause. Correct. And, and then we'd have problems there. But I'm also curious, like when the state expropriates somebody, and I know we're going off on a tangent because we were busy ticking things off, but mm-hmm. when the state expropriates somebody because they say that this land we need for state security purposes. Like let's say they need to build yeah. a bunker there to store, I don't know, mm. the president's secret money in or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does, does that strike you as also being a kind of egregious over? Yeah. Look, the, at the moment, the constitution makes provision for uh, expropriation for a public purpose mm-hmm. or in the public interest. But not for the state. So, so, so public purpose. The two are often separate. The two are often separate. So, uh-huh. Public purpose would be a dam, how train, how train, yeah. an airport. Public interest, however, interestingly enough, it is already stated in Section twenty-five as land reform yes. is must be seen as something that is in the public interest. So it must be demonstrably so. So, in other words, enough people would have to say we're interested. Exactly. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> no. Wow. Okay. So restitution. We've got a lot of work to do. Yes. Redistribution, we've got even more work to do. And these discussions that are going on, at least as you said earlier, it gives you hope that something is starting to mm. to germinate here mm. in terms of some progress being mm. made. I hope that the next time we talk about this, we will have much more to show for all the discussions and the theory and the, and the proposed yeah. legislation. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you at all going to cast a bet uh, about whether or not the proposed amendments to the constitution will take place? Hmm. At my last, uh, at the last counts, I heard that the, parla- the joint parliamentary committee that's looking at all the comments from the public is sitting with 3 million uh, comments on, on this issue. Hmm. Um, the parliament, the, the, the committee has till September to come back to us and say, you know, this is what These the outcome I'm betting that the the very unlikely marriage that we witnessed in on the 27th of February in Parliament, when the ANC and the EFF uh, all voted together, will show some cracks. Because remember, the EFF argues for the amendment of the Constitution, and the ANC position at the moment, or at least in in so far as the workshop or that land summit is concerned was that there's no need to amend the constitution. Hmm. So politics will play themselves out. We will see whether or not we will see this continued speaking in one voice hmm. um, amongst, you know, the EFF and the ANC, especially because the ANC doesn't think we need to amend the constitution and the ANC and the EFF does. And I think another very important thing to state is that the EFF are arguing for a custodianship of the land. So it says eradicate all private land ownership. And the ANC has a very different ideological understanding of how this should pan out. So it's going to be interesting how the politics will play themselves out after this parliamentary process takes place. Well, Anela, good luck to your dad and his farm. Um, good luck to you and your farm. And when, when Bulelo and I work for you, hopefully we'll be paid a decent salary and we'll get to keep the house we live in. I look after you. I, I would propose that anyone who's lived in a dwelling for more than 25 or 20 years – should automatically be allowed to stay there. You know, the whole possession is nine tenths mm-hmm. idea. It would solve so many problems and that they could have 
some kind of documentation to prove that it's theirs would help them to do whatever they need to do to get Except ahead. Except when all your cousins from the Eastern Cape come and say, <laughs> uh, by the way, yeah, we, are, we, we also... also live, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better to not have cousins. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's complicated, but I think important, um, important facts brought by you both um, will help us to inform ourselves and to equip ourselves a little better when these discussions come up. Because often people speak in silos without necessary uh, knowledge and expertise in the field. So I'm grateful to you that you've managed to devote some of your time today to helping the rest of us to understand some of this stuff. I've learned a lot. I appreciate it enormously. Bulelwa Mabasa and Anele Kumalo are both uh, directors at um, Worksman's in Litigation and Dispute Resolution and I appreciate your time today. Thank you both. Worksman's Attorneys is a proudly South African corporate and commercial law firm with over 100 years of experience. With over 200 lawyers practicing in over 22 diverse areas of law, they're able to contend with current, topical matters and use their expertise to your advantage. In this series of podcasts, we will explore how the law affects you. This is CliffCentral.com.